And our key passage that I want to begin reading from is in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. And it says this, it says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So as you and I hold on to the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, that hope of eternal life, not just being a, a future destination like heaven and a heavenly realm, I'm talking about let's hold on to the earthly reign that is the kingdom of heaven, that Jesus came and said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's the kingdom that we're talking about. And that's what the writers of Hebrews here is explaining to us. As we hold on to the hope that is in Christ Jesus, we need to continue to gather and to continue to, to stay in the habit of meeting together and being together. So here on Sunday, we get to do this every Sunday, but I'm encouraging all of us to take part in joining a connect group. And so that's why we have Connect Sunday. It gives us all an opportunity to join into a connect group and, and to begin to build relationships with one another and to continue to show our good works as a team, as a, as a unit. But the first thing I want us to realize is that we need each other. It, in a connect group, that's obvious. And on Connect Sunday, I just want to begin by saying we need each other. Maslow's hierarchy of needs is, is a motivational theory in psychology that comprises of a five-tier model of human needs. So I have a graphic here that shows, if you're familiar with psychology, you've probably heard of this guy Maslow, and he has this theory. And I would agree that all of these things are things that we need in our lives and if you notice, the third one is social. That's what we're talking about today. We're talking about connecting with one another. That is a social need that every human being has, the need for acceptance and also the need for friendship, the need for meaningful, lasting relationships. But you could argue, and especially if you are a follower of Jesus Christ this morning, you would, you would probably agree with me in, in the argument that above social esteem and then self-actualization, those two, you also need to connect with others in order to achieve. So the theory here is that in order to get to the next level, you have to first meet the basic requirements of the level that you're at. So physiolog physiological needs, those being like water, air, and things like that. But once you obtain each one, you get to... So social needs, connecting with others is vitally important as human beings. But as followers of Jesus Christ, I want us to see here that we need each other in order to have a good relationship with our Heavenly Father. We need to be connected to both God and to each other. And so I don't have this in your notes, but I love it if you'd write it down just to, as a way to remember it. You and I cannot fulfill our purpose by ourselves. You and I cannot fulfill our purpose by ourselves, which is why the writer of Hebrews implores us that you and I should not neglect the habit of meeting together. This is why our church believes so much in connect groups and, and, and sets aside a Sunday for you to intentionally seek out a group that you can be a part of. Because it sounds to me the importance of this scripture is focused on the fact that we not neglect meeting together. And I wonder if he's warning the church about the fact that there is an enemy who is going to seek to devour 
and, and, he's, and, and the enemy is seeking to cause disunity among the saints because he knows when we come together, we get to do amazing, amazing things for the kingdom. Amen? So this principle is called the Lego principle. Uh, it's, it's something that I just recently found out the church is calling the Lego principle. I'm sure those of you who have children are familiar with Legos. I'm sure, I'm sure you've had an encounter before with Legos. Usually, it's stepping on one in the middle of the night, right? That makes you realize how much you hate Legos. But Legos are really cool. In fact, my son just turned six, and he asked when we said, hey, what, what do you want for your birthday? He didn't have to think very hard. He said, Legos. And Legos, there's, there's movies now of Legos. And in fact, you, you can pretty much name any, anything, and I bet you there's a Lego package that you can create that probably costs like $75 for a six-year-old to put together, okay? It doesn't matter what it is, but it, 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 if he said, I want Captain America Legos, you go to Walmart or you get online, sure enough, Amazon's showing you Captain America Legos. And so, sure enough, we go ahead and we get him some Legos. And he surprised me with some of the things that he can create at even six years old. He's shaping these amazing structures. And I look at them and think, wow, maybe we have a little engineer on our hands or something. I, I don't know, or an architect or something like that. This is pretty cool. He's making some cool things here. And, and then you step on one, right? And then you realize, no, I don't like these Legos at all. And I'm getting rid of all of them. They're, they're gone. But... He, he has surprised me with the things he can shape. And so the Lego principle, I think, is a reflection on who we are and how we are also wired and, and how God created us for relationships. So if you look at a Lego here, you can see that they connect both upward and downward. So there's always something that connects into them, and then they also can connect then into something above them. So you can shape—there's there's endless amounts of things that you can shape with Legos. In fact, I got online and I saw— Somebody made a replica of the uh, Empire State Building in New York City with Legos. And it looks identical. And I was like, wow, how did, how did they do that? had to have taken so much time. But the idea is that you and I, just like Legos, have two things that we need to be in constant connection to. And the first thing is our maker, Jesus, our, our Heavenly Father. And in relationship with Jesus Christ, we are connected vertically to him. But then when we also choose to connect to each other, we then receive the power to shape our world and to make a difference for Jesus Christ. Amen? Jesus was asked one day by a religious leader, what is the greatest commandment in all of the law? Kind of a hard question. Jesus handles it flawlessly like he always does. And leave it to Jesus to not give him one commandment, but two. And he says in Mark chapter 12, he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So Jesus sums up the entire Bible, the entire law with the Lego principle. Connect to God and connect to others. Stay in communication with your maker and then connect with each other because in that lies the power to shape the world. Amen? So we need each other. But the second reason we need to connect with each other is because we were created for relationships. You and I are designed, hardwired for relationship. And it is by far the biggest overarching theme of the Bible. The first problem that God encountered 
was not that we fell in temptation by believing the lie of the serpent and eating the, fo- the forbidden fruit. All of us know that story, right? But there was a problem even before that that God had to handle. It was that we were alone. When he looked at Adam, he said, it is not good for man to be alone. It's in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper, one that is suitable for him. So the first problem God recognizes is that we are never meant to be alone. And this is, doesn't just sh- uh, show that marriage is important, but it shows that from that we were populating the earth to the point where now we have communities to live in, which was God's design from the very beginning. Our creator meant for you and I to exist in relationship with one another and in a community such as a church family. I also believe that this is why God waited until the sixth day to create man. Do you notice he created a whole lot of things the first day, the second day, the third day, the fourth day, the fifth day. But it wasn't until that sixth day that God decided to create man. And I believe that the reason God waited until the sixth day to create man was because he wanted us to wake up on the seventh day and not see God working, but to see God in relationship with what he had made. He saw, we, we, on that first day Adam woke up and not, he, he saw obviously the amazing creation, but then he immediately got to spend time with his creator. And I believe that was God's way of saying, this is the design of my people, of my children. So the first thing that, that Adam saw was God not working, but experiencing relationships with one another. The third reason we need to connect to each, with each other is that life works better when we are connected. Life just works better when we're connected with others, especially when there's people that we are in relationship with that can do things better than we can, right? If I need help with something, fixing something at my house, it did not take me very long as a young homeowner to realize there's a lot of stuff that I can't do when it comes to working on my house. But I have a lot of friends who have been down that road and learned a few things. And so life works better when we're connected and in relationship with people, especially when they have talents that we don't have. That is why God made it the way he did. So I, I just have a question for you. Have you ever been white water rafting? Go ahead and raise your hand if you have ever experienced white water rafting. A good, a good amount. I think that's something that I definitely want to do someday. I definitely want to get on a white water raft. And I'm not talking about no class five. Did anyone do a class five out of everyone who raised their hands? The people who did aren't here because they're dead. Just kidding. You, one person. Class five. Amazing. We should give you a medal or something, I feel. No, okay. But class five rapids are no joke. In fact, I got a, I got a picture here of some whitewater rafting. Doesn't that look like fun? It looks fun until you can notice that the terrain is going slightly downward, which tells me that they're about to get into some rough waters, if, if, if you would consider that not rough already. But, but this, to me, is like a picture of, I think, how God wanted us to exist in relationships with one another. He wanted our lives to be a life spent as if we're on the waters of life, knowing that there's going to be some white water, there's going to be some turbulence, there's going to be some rough waters in our life. But if we're in a white water raft, notice that there's a guide here in the back. You can just, you can just call him Jesus. And then you've got a whole crew in front of him. That, that, that represents all of us, right? a team, a unit. And I know, I haven't been whitewater rafting before, but I know that that guide is probably screaming his head off. Don't do that. Do that. Don't do that. Do that. But in reality, Jesus is probably training us like he, like he gave us the Bible with instructions. And I know there's training before they got onto that boat. It wasn't like he just pulled it out of the back of his truck, blew it up and said, come on guys, let's get in and do some white water. 
he gave them instruction, just like Jesus has given us instruction. And then he puts us on this boat, but he doesn't want us to be alone. He wants us to work together. He wants us to know when to paddle, when to not paddle, when to shift weight, when to not shift weight. And if that thing goes over, everybody's going over, right? And then they're going to flip it back over, and they're all going to get back in and go again. And that's what life, I think, is, is, is what it's meant to look like. But unfortunately, I think this is what our lives actually look like sometimes. This gentleman, I, I, I can see the back of him, but I cannot see the front of him. And I can imagine, if that were me, he is not smiling. It looks like he's heading for some rocks, and it does not look like he's, you know, about to enjoy what's ahead. But it looks like fun, and sometimes the temptation that we're given is that doing life alone is where the adventure is. But in reality, that's not what God intended for our lives. God intended for us to be on the whitewater raft with people connected in relationship with one another so that when we hit the turbulence and if he were to go down, no one's there to help him back up. Where in this case, there's plenty of people to laugh at you and help you back up, right? Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse nine says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So do not do life alone. If if you're here this morning and you feel like your relationships are falling apart, it may be because you're trying to do life alone and you're not taking the time to invest into those relationships around you. And if you're considering joining a connect group, I encourage you to do so. If you're considering joining our church family, I promise you that you will not be sorry. There's a family here waiting, ready to link arms, ready to take on the rough waters with you. Somebody say amen. Amen. The fourth reason that we need to connect with others is that God values relationship. God values relationships. Since the dawn of creation, God has not stopped pursuing a relationship with his children. As a matter of fact, his word tells us that there's no sin that would ever keep us from a relationship with him. We can't even out-sin his grace if we tried. He's relentless in his pursuit, and he is not going to give up on us. How many is thankful that God has never walked out on you, given up on you, turned his back on you? Thank God that he is continuing to pursue us, no matter what we've done, no matter what we plan to do. The Bible says that while we were still sinning, Christ died for us. Knowing that we may walk out on him, knowing that we may turn our back on him, he's still in pursuit of us. He values relationships more than we will ever understand. Somebody could ask themselves, how much does he value relationships? And I would tell you, with his own life, he values relationships. He went to the cross and paid the ultimate price to restore the relationship that, allowed, that, that, that sin had deteriorated because of our own, our own flesh. You know, when Jesus showed up on the scene in the New Testament... There's a lot of people who missed out on the redemption because they were worshiping their religion. When in reality, the the whole theme of what Christ did was relationship. If you notice, Jesus was the great connector. He constantly sought out people that society would naturally reject and connected with them. 
Yes, he corrected them, but before he corrected their sin, he also connected with them. And I believe that's a picture that he gave to his disciples and to those of us sitting in this room, is that if we choose to follow after Jesus Christ, to be his hands and feet here in our community, we need to be able to connect with people before we correct them. Amen? The mission of Jesus was to seek and save the lost, but he always connected before he corrected, and he taught his disciples to do the same. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20, it says, Together we are his house, built on a foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. I love, I love what it says there. We are carefully joined together. If you've ever been a part of the construction process, maybe you've built your own home or you've, you've seen a home being built, but you know that it's not a simple process whatsoever. You see first the, the stakes go in a, into a field set by the surveyors, then, then before long the holes are dug, the footers are poured, the foundation's laid, the house goes up, the framing process begins, it looks like a skeleton of a house, and then the siding goes on, you see windows installed, then inside is plumbing, electric, you name it, whatever, internet, the, everything that's being installed into this house, even down to the, to the paint color, it's a process. But the Bible says that we are carefully, we being the body of Christ, are carefully joined together to represent a place where God himself chose to live. The master of the universe could live anywhere and do anything, but he chooses to dwell among us and to live in a temple made without man's hands. That blows me away to know that my God wants to live within me, a sinner. And he wants to live among those that he's created. And we are carefully joined together because we all have different talents. We all have, we all have different uh, opinions. We all, some of us, we vote differently, and yet we can still be part of a family. And we can still be joined together for a common purpose. Each part of the building, the temple that we are called, is important. Just to illustrate that for you, I, I just want you to imagine right now if you showed up this morning and there was no one in the nursery to watch your children. There was no one willing to watch your elementary school kids. Or if the AV team decided this morning that they were not going to show up. I just want you to picture what would be going on right here in this room. For one, we'd be in the dark. For two, you probably would not hear me. And there would be children everywhere. None of those things would probably really prevent us from having church, but think about the fact that we are able to focus on what God wants to teach us because there's someone taking the time to watch our children. There's someone who was willing to get here early and to get the lights working right and to get everything where it needed to be so that the message could be heard, so that we could worship together, so that we could bring God's presence into this room before we did anything else. Aren't you thankful for an amazing dream team, everybody? That's what it's all about. It's about giving of yourself. It's about recognizing that I'm part of a building. And we're all joined together carefully. Different talents, different walks of life, different phases in life. But we're all part of a building. And the fifth thing, the fifth reason we need to connect to each other is that together we can change the world. Together we can change the world. When the people of God come together, the Bible says where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. When we connect to one another and each one of us are connected to the power source, look out for what happens next, right? 
the church, this church is on fire. Why? Because there's men and women connected to the power source that is the spirit of the living God. And then because of the power source that we are connected to, we are able to connect with one another, to link arms, to join in a common purpose, to go and to light up the world and to shine our light before men. Amen? Acts chapter 2 verse 46 says that they, being the, the early church, they worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to the fellowship those who were being saved. So the fact that they were connected to God and did life together in a community transformed lives. It says that God added to their fellowship each day. I believe if we really get a hold of what God is wanting to do through us, through, through our hearts, through our gifts and our abilities, and apply it to the family of God, I believe God is going to take us places we can never dream of. And I'm seeing it happen already here at Tuam. Our church is, is, is six years old, but we are moving at a pace that is unheard of simply because people are connecting to God and connecting to each other. And that's the design that God had all along. I believe there are many lives here in Tuscarawas County, in our community, and communities surrounding us that are ready to be transformed by the power of God and they're waiting for a connection. And I believe you and I have the ability to do that. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to give us five keys now that we know the importance of connecting to others, I want to give us five keys on how we can connect with others. And the first thing is to be humble. Practicing humility, both in the way we interact with others in the body of Christ, in the way we interact with others in our workplace, in our homes, in our schools, anywhere and everywhere, humility must be practiced in all situations. And really, humility is just recognizing that we are part of a body and we're dependent on others. Like I mentioned, there's a lot of things that I can't do. I remember turning probably around the age of 18, 19, and realizing how smart my parents were, thinking I knew everything, and then quickly realizing I know nothing <laughs> about anything. And how smart my parents were. And, and then to realize I, I was dependent upon them for years. Got to a place where I felt like I'm no longer dependent on them. And in that moment realizing how much I'm dependent on them. And I believe that's the way it works. Like in a family, God calls us into his family. And we enter into that relationship. But the moment we enter into the body of Christ, we then have people surrounding us that are ready to go to war with us. So you enter into a family the moment you say yes to God. It, it's not like step one, step two. It's step one and two at the same time. Saying yes to God is saying yes to being part of a family. By the way, the family that's continuing to reproduce and that's continuing to take over and take back territory that the enemy has stolen here on earth. Amen? Amen. Romans chapter 12 verse 3 says, Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. So humility is a key to connecting with others. The second key is to be selfless. 
to be unselfish, to be selfless. When we serve others selflessly, we are showing them Jesus. Jesus was the ultimate picture of selflessness. Pastor Jimmy taught me growing up that the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is selfishness. To be selfless is to show Jesus. Instead of taking your Bible with you to work, ready to pounce on whoever acts in disobedience, I challenge you, take your Bible with you to work, but if you want to show them Jesus, just be selfless around them. Being selfless in the society that we live in sticks out like a sore thumb. People are going to want to know what's wrong with you when you're selfless, and that's the moment you get to tell them what's right about you. It's the fact that you're in relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and you recognize that God is God, I am not, and I choose to be humble, and I choose to be selfless as I serve in his kingdom. Amen? Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, carry each other's burdens, and in this you will fulfill the law of Christ. I love that this translation says carry one another's burdens. Not as if we're carrying them like they're our own issues, but adopting the pain and the turmoil that they may find themselves in long enough to carry it to Jesus. There's something so powerful about bringing something that you're struggling with to your mentor, to a prayer warrior, to a friend, to a mother or father and saying, this is what I'm struggling with. And, and, and I love it when they stop right in their tracks and they say, let's take this to the father right now. You know, the weight comes off of you. What that is, is that's them taking and carrying, helping you carry the burden to Jesus. And it's in that moment that you, it's, it's as if you can just see yourself being coated with, with the anointing. You can, you can feel the fact that God is taking the burden off of the both of you because you are connected and you are willing to carry it with them to the Father. The third way, the third key is to be merciful. Being full of mercy is another way that we are Christ-alike. Being merciful is making room for people to make mistakes. In your relationships, I challenge you to give people the opportunity to fail. In your relationships, I can promise you that they're going to hurt you. And they're going to hurt you over and over and over again because they're human. So I ask, and I've learned, that if you give someone the opportunity, if you give them, make room in your relationships for them to fail, to show them mercy, what you're doing is you're giving them the opportunity to fail, but to fail forward. To fail in a way that Yes, they've hurt you. Yes, they've fallen. Yes, they've fallen short. But if you show mercy to them, it gives them the opportunity to learn from that and to grow from that. There's something powerful about being in a friendship where you know no matter what happens, they're not giving up on you and they're not walking away from you. That even if you hurt them, even if you fail, they're going to help you up and they're going to walk forward with you. Being merciful. Ephesians Chapter 4, verse 31 says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. We are able to show mercy, and we are able to forgive because God has shown us mercy, and it's God who has forgiven us. 
The fourth key is to be honest. As Christians, we need to be ready to speak truth all the time. The Bible says to be ready with your testimony, right? We need to be ready to speak truth at any given moment, but we need to be willing to speak the truth in love. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 says, Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. I think we need to challenge each other in our connect groups, in our relationships. We need to challenge each other. But we need to be the type of friend that can speak truth with grace. We need to be in relationship with those around us, connecting with them, ready to challenge them, ready to see their blind spots like a good friend should. But to step in and speak life to them, speak truth to them, even if that truth is blunt, even if that truth hurts, but speak it with grace and truth. And the fifth thing, the fifth key is to be united in Christ. When you and I enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, we enter into a family that seals us. A family that will always strive to have your back in every situation, whatever you go through, whatever you're, whatever you're about to take on in life. The moment you enter into a relationship with Christ, you become united in Christ with the body of Christ. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 13, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Jesus. Now you can have better relationships with any one of these keys that I mentioned. But in order to fully maximize your relationships, in order to fully reach the potential of your relationships, you first have to connect with Jesus Christ. If you're in here today and you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I challenge you to take that step. I'm going to just be the example of something I just mentioned. I'm going to speak truth to you that without a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're going to falter and fail and there'll be no one there. But I want to speak grace and truth. So I want to tell you that while that's the truth, there's grace. His name is Jesus. And in a relationship with him, it's a package deal. Christ and the body of Christ. The moment you say yes to Jesus this morning, we welcome you to the family. Can I get an amen, church? Amen. The next most important thing you can do outside of that decision to follow Jesus Christ is to get involved in healthy relationships by joining a connect group. We don't create Connect Sunday because it sounds good or looks good. We create the opportunity for you to join a connect group for you because it works. It will help you in your relationship with God in more ways than one. I know for a fact I would not be on this platform and I would not be following after Jesus Christ if it were not for the fact that I was taught to connect to others. My connection to Pastor Jimmy, Pastor Josh, my parents, my older brothers and sisters, those around me, my mentors, if it had not been for them, being connected to them, I would never have realized my full potential. I would have never have seen what God was calling me to. 
So I challenge you to connect to Jesus Christ and then connect to others. Would you stand with me, please? If you're here this morning and you're saying to yourself, that's me, I'm, I'm the one that he's talking about. I'm, I'm, I'm not connected to Christ. And I know as a result, my relationships are failing. And you know, we live in a world where social media tells us that we're connected all around the world. But in reality, we're more disconnected than we've ever been as a society. And for some reason, I can't get off this topic of the, the fact that when you say yes to God, you are united to Christ and you are united to his body. And, and I'm fearful that we are teaching our children that if someone doesn't agree with you, you have to hate them. And we're worshiping our opinions over God. When in reality, saying yes to God means we're saying yes to a family, which means we can vote differently. We can have different perspectives on life. We, we can see life differently and because we come together, it makes us better, not worse. And instead of, t- instead of going to our corners and going to the echo chambers of social media, what would happen if we would connect in our groups and connect as a church body? Though we are different in many ways, though we think differently in many ways, let that very thing be the strength that pushes us forward. What would happen to America? I know what would happen in an awakening, a revival, if the church would come together and say, I'm not going to worry about whether or not your opinion matches my opinion. I'm going to worry less about being right and worry more about your heart, worry more about being connected to you than I am about winning the argument. I believe we would see a revival in, in America. I really would. And I believe that today, just, just a few of us making the decision to connect to Jesus Christ and to connect to others, I believe we're going to light up the world, light up our county, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bow your heads with me. Father, we love you. We thank you, God. And in this moment, we commit ourselves to you. God, we acknowledge that there is sin, there's a sin barrier between us, God, that Jesus paid for. And in this moment, God, we recognize that and acknowledge it and ask that, Lord, that you would forgive us. And if we're, if we're disconnected from you, God, I pray in this moment that you will allow us to enter into a relationship with you. And if that's you this morning, I just ask that you would cry out the name of Jesus. You can say it under your breath. You can say it out loud. But just say, Jesus, I'm choosing to follow you. I'm stepping into my purpose by connecting with you and knowing that to fulfill my purpose, I'm connecting with others. I'm joining the family and the body of Christ in this moment. God, I pray that you will cleanse us, make us new, place your spirit inside each one of us as we choose to follow you and live for you, God. Empower us to connect with you, to connect with others, and to let our light shine and to change our world. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen.